You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Technology is amazing because remember, I remember when my kids were little, the way you would video a performance like this is you had the camcorder and you had to close it. You were looking through like this, you know, and you're trying to capture everything. And I was just getting tickled looking back watching all the parents because now it's this, you know, and you can, you can still look around it. It's just funny. And so I was just getting tickled at, at, at some of your faces and how you were looking at your kids and like, smile, 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 sing, come on, grandma's going to watch this, you know. So anyway, you got cute kids. Thank you for, for letting them be a part of that. And um, I love Kids Weekend. Um, I love it when, we, we, when the kids get to lead us in worship because, you know, Scripture says a child will lead them. And, and speaking of Jesus, and, and I love that our kids are, are in love with Jesus and they, they want us to be in love with Jesus. They're just passionate about their faith. Um, if you didn't notice, we had the space open this weekend. Uh, <laughs> six people are excited about that. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Oh, more people clapping for me walking out. Okay. <laughs> like, he's done. Service is over. <laughs> you know, yes. You know, that was the best church service I've ever been to. Oh, man. But anyway, uh, we got the space open. And uh, hey, I just want to apologize too for the muddy stuff in the parking lot. Um, uh, we are still waiting on some stuff to come back so we can get the asphalt lot in there. And, um, and that's been, uh, I know it's frustrating, ladies. I'm sorry about the shoes, men. Um, pick them up at the door, circle around, pick them up at the door, and then here's a way. We're not going to get into the old Baptist church foot washing this morning. I'm sorry. It ain't going to happen. I don't want to deal with that, but uh, I, I do want to apologize, and uh, so we've got a couple things we're still trying to get finished up, although we got our, our temporary CO. We can occupy the space, and uh, the reason we wanted to set up this weekend the way it is is so you could have a, a chance to walk through it, it's kind of an open house format. And uh, every, everybody that was a part of our One Church campaign and is still part of our One Church campaign, um, you've, you've been obedient, you've prayed, you've been, been serving God and following God, and so you have a great responsibility for this space being open, and so we want you to walk through and see that. So when you leave out of the worship center and you go down the kids' hallway, it's all going to be a one-way flow um, to kind of help the traffic pattern with parents and kids and, and chaos. And so you go down and, and, and check it out. Now, the, the nursery hallway and the, the current, pre, uh, current pre-kids room are still going to be closed off. So if you have a sticker, you can get in there and get your kids. But if you don't have a sticker, and that's old news anyway. I mean, that was in phase one. What I want you to see is you walk through where the building used to end. You'll see our new Creek Kids room, which they'll be in there next weekend. And so take a look at that space. Then the next Next room you'll see is our canvas room. That's our sixth through eighth grade ministry room. Then you'll kind of, you'll go through some double doors. You'll exit the children's ministry. Then there'll be a adult class, an adult classroom. Well, we'll be able to have some more classes, things going on. It's three times the space of our current adult classroom, um, which is our meeting room, which is our catch-all room, which is everything, um, which is our current sixth through eighth grade ministry room. So we've, we have stewarded that square footage well. Thank you for that. And then the next room is our mother's lounge, 
Um, that's so if you've got babies and they need to, they need they, they decide they want to eat during service or they start crying and you need to go in there. It's kind of a cry room, nursing mom's room. We're calling it the mother's lounge. I'm sure I'll, uh, somebody will walk in there. Heather will walk in there just to check furniture and everything, and there'll be a woman in there, and she goes, how old's your son? He's 38, but I just needed a break, man. <laughs> so, hey, the mother's lounge is open, okay? We're going to have a video feed of the service in there for you, and so, um, um, yeah, just make yourself at home. And, um, and so I want you to be able to walk through and, like, and, and enjoy that. Also, the, we have new doors that are open, and so we have more, more entrance doors on, on the front side, and, and there's some doors on the back side. So if you park on the back side, you can kind of come in that door instead of having to walk all the way around. So um, we're in all in the name of convenience, right? And so I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about the commons area. I saw it full on Friday night. We had our Creek Women Shine dinner, and so there was over 180 ladies having dinner in there and then the service in here. And so, ladies, you look beautiful. It was an awesome night, and thank you for decorating tables. Let me say this to the men. Men, thank you for straight up serving. I mean, you did an awesome job. It was a beautiful time, and I, I love getting to be a part of it. So thank you for that. And um, there'll be a lot more. Let me say this too, last thing. Have patience with us. Not everything's going to be perfect as soon as we get, we get all occupied, okay? It's kind of like moving into a new house. It's like, well, does the couch work here? Does it work here? Do we need to do this? Oh, we should have put a plug there. Let's put a plug. So there's all kinds of things we're going to be working out and some, some details in that. So it's been a hectic time. It's been a crazy stretch to get to that point. And some of our staff was saying the other night, because this last week, it was chaos, I mean, it was all hands on deck for our staff. I got called in the middle of the day and said, hey, I need you to go up and take care of something at the building because we got an inspector coming. And I was just like, man, I'm so ready for this to be done. And I know Heather is. She's been managing this project, done it well. But one of our staff members said, why did we do this? Why did we finish this right at Christmas? And I said, well, the plan was to finish it in October. But we had, you know, that's just the way we roll, right? We're coming into the busy time of year, Christmas. It's all chaotic. And so I'm ready for some calm. And I think we all are ready for some calm at Christmas, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of like things starting to wind down, ramp up to Christmas. And I, too many of us just get so chaotic at Christmas, we miss the greatness of the season. I heard a story uh, a couple weeks ago where some psychologists made another diagnosis for our culture. They, they came up with a diagnosis called festive burnout. So I'm listening to this story. I'm like, festive burnout. What in the world is festive burnout? So they go on to explain that, that people in late November and early December are already so burnt out on Christmas, they just want it done. Like, I just want, they, they think their calm is going to come after Christmas. <laughs> Little do they know. But so, so we just get so wrapped up in all the chaos, and they, they, they shared some root causes of festive burnout. First one, lines of people, crowds of people, finances, the stress of finding the perfect gift. I mean, come on, gift card, cash always fits. But then you get back into finances. And so anyway, but they said, but basically they said it's, it's people get so caught up in, in these things around Christmas that they experience burnout. And they get to the point where they're like, I just want Christmas to be over with and think that somehow it's, life is going to calm down after Christmas. Well, that's when we hit the new year. And, you know, your job's like, new year, new goals. We're going to reach new heights. We want you to work harder, work smarter this year. And so you're thinking, I thought I was doing a good job in 2018. Now you want more out of me? Come on, you're getting blood from a tournament. So it just gets chaotic. It just goes hectic. And, and as older we get, if you're young, enjoy this, man. The older I get, it seems like time just moves faster and faster and faster. 
And it feels like there's just a, a pace of life that just keeps us at a, a hectic pace. And what we've got to understand is nothing in the world around us is, is wired to slow us down and be intentional through life. It's design, the, the things in, in the world are designed to keep us distracted so we get wrapped up in the busyness and the chaos. And we get a moment this morning to just kind of step back, take a breath, enjoy our children, and really hear from Jesus on how to find a cure for all of our craziness at Christmas. If you got your Bible, go to Luke chapter 10. And I want to look at a, a, a scene where Jesus is, is interacting with two sisters, Mary and Martha. And their brother, Lazarus, isn't in, in this interaction, but Lazarus was a sister to Mary and Martha. If you remember in John chapter 11, Lazarus had gotten sick. He died. Jesus shows up several days later, calls Lazarus out of the tomb. Miracle story. God, Jesus raises him from the dead. Incredible thing. Well, this is the same family. And so in, in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, it says, Now as they were on their way, um, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And, as she, and she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But Jesus answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Now, I don't know if you got brothers and sisters, but family tension creates a lot of tension. And there's some tension going on in this house. So picture the scene. Jesus shows up, says, I want, I want to come spend some time at your house. Martha welcomes him in her home. Martha's not doing the wrong things. I mean, we tend to think Martha's the, the bad girl in the story, like she's just doing the wrong thing. She's doing good things. I mean, she's making Jesus feel welcome. She's like, he, he needs to eat. He's, he's fully God, but he's full of man. Man got to eat, right? And so she's wanting... To, to be hospitable, take care of them. So she gets all the, she's just going into busy mode. And, and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And what I love about this story is Jesus really does want to spend time with us. We just don't have a God that loves us so much that he gave Jesus to be our, our savior and our redeemer and to forgive us of our sin, but he wants to have a relationship with us. Jesus came to the house of Mary and Martha. Jesus wants to have a relationship with us. He doesn't just love us, he likes us. And he wants to spend time with us. And so the scene is Jesus is there, Mary's at his feet listening to his teaching. I mean, imagine what Jesus would be teaching. Jesus is the word of God in flesh. Jesus spoke everything into existence. All things are created by him, for him, and through him. And so the stories that he could probably tell. You ever stop to think about what the campfire conversations would be with Jesus and the disciples. I mean, just the things they got to talk about. And Mary's sitting at his feet listening. She's, she's hanging on every word because she knows that this is Jesus, the Messiah, the word incarnate, the one that has become flesh, the Messiah, that who speaks, what he speaks is what he has heard from the mouth of the Father, that she is speaking. She's hearing him speak the word of God because the word of God is speaking. And she's, she's fully immersed in the presence of God. And so you got Martha in the kitchen. And, and I'm sure there's a little bit of passive-aggressive behavior going on. You ever been involved with that where, where you know somebody wants your help, but they're not going to say, will you come and help me, please? But they're like this with the pots and pans. Does anybody hear me in here working? 
We've all experienced that, right? We've all done it. I mean, I grew up in a home. There's tension happening here. I grew up in a home with two older sisters and a younger brother. So I know what, what, what sibling tension is like. Tammy is my oldest sister. And, and she used to watch me when I was little. When I was young, she's older than I am. She will always be older than I am. And, and she would have to babysit the, the rest of us. And I would get so mad at her, I'm running away. And she would reach up and lock the chain on the top of the door and say, well, if you can undo the chain, you can go wherever you want. Well, be careful what you say to your siblings because I'm her boss now. <laughs> and because I remember that story, yearly review is coming up. You know, what's the chain, Tammy? Anyway, but I know what, I know what family drama can be and family tension can be. And, and Martha hits her breaking point. She goes to Jesus and says, Lord, don't you care that she's left me to do all the work? Tell her to help me. How many of us spend our time praying to Jesus, praying to God about him changing other people? God, I need you to change my boss. That's what Tammy's praying now. She just heard that. God, change my boss, change my coworker, change my spouse, change my kids, change my parents. We spend all of our time in the presence of God saying, I need, don't you care that I'm doing this? I need you, Jesus, to change their heart, change their life, change their behavior, change their attitude. And all the while, what Jesus wants to do is have us in his presence to change us. Maybe our prayer time should be change me because Jesus is gonna, he's gonna address this with Martha. Of course I care, but Martha, you're so distracted with all of these things and Mary's chosen the most important one. I love that he says she's chosen the good portion because Martha's hung up on a meal and Jesus is like, look, the portion that she's got, she's, she's partaking of the bread of life. She's sitting here having the living water pour into her. That, that the, Jesus said to the woman at the well, when you drink of this water, this living water, who is Christ, you'll never thirst again. She's picked the good portion. She's picked the, the most important thing. It's not that what Martha was doing wasn't, wasn't good, but it just wasn't the most important thing. We tend to put Mary and Martha on two ends of a spectrum and go, well, which one are you? Assess your life. Decide. Are you a Mary or are you a Martha? I think we've got to understand something that Jesus is trying to teach us in both of their lives. It's not an either or, it's a both and. I think we need to worship like Mary and work like Martha. But, but there's some things we got to kind of get in order. See, Martha's just running around fresh. She's distracted from the main thing. Too many times we get distracted in good things that keep us from Jesus. It's called the tyranny of the urgent. I read this book before we launched the church, Tyranny of the Urgent, and I've got to say it's haunted me since I read it because it constantly comes back and I constantly think about it and I'm reminded of how it breaks down our tasks and the things that we face in life. It puts them into four quadrants. It puts them into what's urgent and important, what's urgent and not important, what's not important and not urgent, and what's not important but urgent. I don't know, I just lost it. Important but not urgent, I don't know. Just got tripped over. What's not what is? Here's where most of us spend our time, in that lower left quadrant. Urgent but not important. We create a sense of urgency or someone else creates a sense of urgency for us and we spend all of our time chasing things that aren't important. 
I mean, it's, it's the busyness without the accomplishment. You ever had one of those weeks? One of those weeks where you're just like, God, you know, in the Old Testament, you made the sun stand still so that battle could be won. Could you make the time stand still? Because I need another three or four hours this day. And you're just so busy. It is so hectic. It is so chaotic. And you have one of those weeks, and then you get that moment at the end of the week, and you just go, ah, I can finally take a breath. And you start thinking back on your week, and, and you ask yourself this, what did I really accomplish? And then you look, and you start thinking, I don't think I really accomplished anything but a bunch of busy work. And we feel just really deflated after that. We're like, why did I, why did I go through all that? On the flip side of that coin, you ever have one of those weeks where you just feel like you are rocking it, man? Where it's just like you are checking the list off. I mean, you type A's, you write on there, check off everything on the list just so you can check off that you checked off everything on the list. And you just walk, I've got, I'm, a, I'm an accomplisher. I've, I've conquered it, man. You just feel good. For, 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 for a lot of us, we spend too much time in the not important and the urgent, but not what's important. And Jesus is teaching this to Martha. He says, look, Martha, Mary has chosen what's important. You're chasing what's urgent. And it's not even really urgent. Think about this. Jesus, yeah, he's fully God, fully man, and needs, needs to eat. But, but remember, Jesus fasted for 40 days. You think he could probably go a couple hours. Hey, I didn't come to your house for you to cook me dinner. I came to your house because I want to be with you. I can go 40 days without food. I'm good. And so Martha's distracted, and Jesus is telling her, look, let's get some things kind of back in balance. And for us to find some balance in our life and kind of operate in that, and so we're not just running at this frantic pace because our schedules are going to manage us if we don't manage them. Time is going to manage us if we don't manage it. Our energy. Here's the thing. We talk a lot in our, our culture, and probably in your jobs, you hear a lot about time management, time management, time management. We all have the same amount of time. Let's break it down to this. It's energy management. How are you using your energy in the time that we have allotted? Is there balance? Are you doing the most important things? And, and what we've got to do, what Jesus is kind of sharing with Martha through this process is, is we've got to learn to prioritize our life. I mean, we can sit back and talk the priorities game, but we really got to think about where our priorities are. I mean, Mary prioritized the presence of God, sitting at the feet of Jesus, overdoing these tasks. Now, it doesn't mean the tasks don't have to get done. Remember, I said we need to balance. We need to worship like Mary, but work like Martha. But there's got to be priority. Our first priority has to be in the presence of God. That God has to be that first priority. The first commandment says, you will have no other gods before me. Whenever we put something ahead of God in our priority order, we've made it an idol. And idols will never fulfill in us or through us what only God can. Now, I said that last night, and this morning I was driving here, and I was just kind of thinking, I was like, I was like God, you know, so idols, you know, I know I don't do this, and I don't think we all do this, that we just wake up and you go, you know what? I want this to be more important in my life than God. Most of us just don't make this conscious decision that says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my job above my relationship with God. 
I'm going to put everything above my relationship with God. But what happens in our life is it's a slow moving over minute decisions in our daily life that begin to shift because we've not established our proper priorities and we're living to those. Most of the time, it's something slow that happens and moves up there. Or, or what, what God just showed me this morning in the truck is, is this top priority in our culture is like a revolving door. And it's what is the most urgent need at the time that gets the top priority. Oh, man, well, it's end of year, and we got to close things down for the, for the job. It's fourth quarter. we got to come in on budget. So that's my top priority, and so that moves up above God. You know, I'm not, I can't spend any time with God right now because I'm trying to get this business done. And that moves up, and that's in the revolving door. And once we get that crisis managed, then it's like, oh, man, well, I neglected my family through Christmas because I'm trying to keep a job, so family's got to go up there. And so we just constantly have a revolving door of our top priority. Basically, it comes this. Top priority means this. What is the preeminent thing in our life that we have set as ultimate and the thing that we will chase after no matter what? And as a culture, we're so distracted by urgency that we place everything up there based on how loud it's yelling. And God says, I want that place. That's, that's, that's my throne. And anything else that goes on that throne is going to disappoint you, is going to leave you empty and hurting and continuing to chase the sense of urgency. Solomon said it this, chase the wind. It's meaningless. So God's first priority, I'm married, so my next priority is Heather, my spouse. I can't place her above my relationship with God. The only way that I can be the husband that God has called me to be for Heather is time in the presence of God. I've got to realize this, that God has given me Heather and given her me in a relationship and marriage and a covenant for his glory, and he's given us each other for our sanctification. Heather helps me see more of the man that I need to be, and she can't make me into that man. It's the presence of God that shapes me in that. My next priority, I'm, I'm a father. I have two daughters as my kids. I'm a pastor, so I can't say my job is my top priority. My fourth priority is my work. If I don't spend time in the presence of God, I got nothing to give you. If I don't spend time in the presence of God, I got nothing to give Heather. And I will say this as your pastor, and, and if, this, if, if this is hard, if it's a hard pill to swallow, I'm so sorry but I will never prioritize the creek, the church, above my wife or my children. I will prioritize my relationship with God and my walk with him above anything else, whether I'm a pastor here or not. But I will never allow any urgency or crisis of the creek to move my family or my kids off of the priority position in my life. I don't want my kids hating the church because I neglected them for a priority that should be lower than them. I don't want my wife to ever look at the church and go, well, that's the other woman. It ain't right. I, I can't tell you how many times in my years of youth ministry that I saw a, a shift in these priorities that led to a, a complete destruction of a marriage. It would be in the fall, typically between the fall break and the holidays, that I would have a student that had graduated 
come back into our ministry and say, I'm back in town, Matt, I need to meet with you. And they're devastated. They said, mom and dad are getting a divorce. I just moved out in, in, in August to go to school and they're already getting a divorce. And here's, here's what I've learned in those parents that would sit and talk with me. Here's what I've learned. Mom and dad get married. And the husband tends to do this. I got the wife. Done. Hunter gatherer, trophy, mission accomplished. What's next? Job. And men, we justify this because we're like, well, I want to provide for my family. I'm doing the right thing for my family. So what we do is we move our job into that top priority position. Well, our wives are being neglected because we've taken number four and placed it at number two, most of the time number one, because we're like, I don't have time for God, I don't have time, because if I go to church, if I engage with God, I'm going to end up doing something that maybe I don't want to do. God may ask me to go to Africa. <laughs> we are going to Africa, by the way. God may ask me to serve. God may ask me to give. God may ask me to do something and sacrifice something that I don't want to sacrifice and do. So I'm going to focus on job because I want to leave my family in a good position. I want them to feel secure. So the, meanwhile, the wife is on the side going, my relationship and my husband is not being fulfilled. And so for a while, she'll put career, maybe career up the top. Or what happens eventually down the line is that they say, you know what, let's have children. The last thing I would recommend for a marriage that is experiencing dysfunction and, and that much turmoil is to bring a child into that mess. There's only been one baby that's been born that can save the world. His name is Jesus. And so what happens is then kid, mom moves the kids into the top priority position. And so this, this clicks along for 18 years because, because there's nothing creating, there's nothing pulling apart at this. And then when the last child leaves, mom and dad look at each other and go, whoa, I, I don't know you. We've grown apart. I don't know you. If I don't know you, I don't love you. Look, we've done our job. We've raised our kids. Let's go on our own separate ways. No harm, no foul. It just didn't work out. I can't tell you how many times I heard that same scenario play out. It's all because we got our priorities out of whack and we're, we're unwilling to step off the crazy carousel of life, the cul-de-sac of insanity, to really assess our life and go, are my priorities in line? Am I doing the important things? And are they operating in this order? And see, every one of us can make a list. Husbands, wives, we can talk about it. But then we gotta take the next step and we gotta get on it. We gotta organize it. I mean, I can prioritize. I can sit here and tell you my priorities. But when I walk off this platform and I go spend time with my family, they're seeing how my priorities are organized. And so we've got to do the work of organization. That's moving from planning to working. And it's not something that comes natural for us. My mother helped my brother and I do this. My brother and I shared a room for the first, first nine or ten years of my life. And we had a closet that had toys. We had shelves that had toys. We had a toy box. It was back when we had real toys, not just a tablet. When we actually used our imagination. And so she would come start this about Halloween and say, boys, you need to clean your room. You need to clean out your toy box. You need to clean your shelves out and you clean out your closet. Okay, mom. And we did absolutely nothing about it. 
It's on the priority, Mom. That's my top priority. Well, that would roll along until one day my brother and I would show up from school. We'd walk into our bedroom, and everything we owned was piled on the bed and the floor around the bed. And she would come in and say, did you have a good day at school? Yeah? Okay. Homework and get this mess cleaned up. No cartoons, no toys, no playing until you get this mess cleaned up. And, and she would put trash bags in the room. And she would say, I need at least this many trash bags coming out of this room. And so we were forced into organization. Most of us only get to the point of organizing things in our life when crisis strikes. When we show up to work or we, we come home from work or we, we, the kids come home from school, we, we end up dealing with a giant mess in the middle of our space and no more can we talk priorities. We have to get our hands dirty and start organizing the things in our life. What Jesus is saying is, Martha, Mary's got the priority. You need to organize your life in a way that you start here. We'll get to the kitchen. I mean, Jesus had no problem with priorities and no problems with his organization. He modeled this. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the four gospels, Jesus modeled this life for us. Jesus had the ability to tell people no. In Luke chapter four, there's crowds that are coming at him and he says he goes away to a desolate place. He says, I'm leaving the crowds. I'm getting out. I'm gonna spend time with my father because unless I do that, I cannot fulfill the purpose that I was sent to earth to do. So my time with the father allows me to fulfill this purpose. And Jesus organized his life in a way that did this. And it was the power of God at work in him and through him that created the maximizing effect for the impact that God wants to do in his life. The only way that you and I are going to have a maximized impact in the life around us is when we prioritize our life to have it, we organize it to walk it out, and then the maximizing happens. Every one of us want to make an impact with our life. We want our life to count. We don't want to come to the end of our life and have people at our funeral say, man, he, he, he was a good guy. He was always busy. He always had something going on. I don't really know what he had going on. I don't really know what he worked on, but I know he always worked. I don't want that. At the end of my life, and I want y'all crying, snotty-faced, blubbering messes. He made an impact in my life. That's what I want. Actually, I want you to celebrate at my funeral because I'm going home. <laughs> and when I get to that point, I'm, everything I got is going to be used up, washed up, ready to go. And Jesus is like, I got to get you here. But we want our lives to count, but, but we spend so much time chasing things that don't count. The only way that we're going to have that type of impact is through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. The only way that power of the Holy Spirit is going to work in our life is if we organize our life in a way that pursues him and follows him and seeks him. The only way we're going to get to that organization is when we set our priorities in line. This is a great time of the year to make that list. It's even a good time of year to check it twice. And let's keep rolling with it. I, I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm going to just kind of just give you a weird balance because I'm going to, I'm going to talk as, I'm going to talk as a pastor, but also as a pastor, okay? As a pastor, this is a time of year where, where we invite you to serve. 
that Christmas is one of those weekends that we have more people from our community than, than we do in any other times of the year. And this might be the one or two times a year they come to a church and they get the opportunity to walk in through any of these doors and feel genuine love and feel a connection to family and feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so we invite you to serve. We're, we're opening this new space. We have more opportunities for people to serve. And so as a pastor, I'm saying, I'm asking you to worship like Mary and work like Martha and engage in serving. But I'm not gonna do it under guilt or compulsion. Let me go into the other side where I'm gonna talk to you like a pastor should talk to you. The only way you will work like Martha is out of time worshiping like Mary. And we're not gonna be so... Uh, I'm not gonna beg for volunteers because I want you working out of the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. I was in a church one time and, and, and they'd come up with a plan. They said, okay, Pastor Matt, we've got this plan. Um, preschool is always a challenging place to find volunteers. I get it. Look, I wouldn't wanna work in preschool. I have a low gag reflex and kids don't like me. I mean, I'm just being honest. And they said, we've come up with a plan. This is a church I was coaching and they said, here's what we're gonna do. Every mother that has a preschooler, we're gonna require her to be on a rotation to serve in preschool. I said, that is a crazy idea. The pastor looks at me and goes, crazy good, right? I said, no, crazy terrible. Why in the world would you take a mother who spends her week chasing a preschooler around, needing some adult interaction, needing some adult conversation, needing some time in the presence of God and pull her out of the presence of God so that you have a spot filled. It's a terrible idea. You're putting someone in, you're coercing and forcing someone into a position that has no gifting or passion or desire to be in there. I would much rather somebody be in our children's ministry that has a desire to pour into the life of the, of the child, that wants to make the gospel clear, to teach them that Jesus created you, he loves you, and he has a purpose for you, not just, hey, sit down, kid, and wait till your parents get out of church. No wonder our kids want to leave church when they can. I'm getting, as a pastor, look, I'm giving you some freedom right now. I'm giving you permission to say no. Say no to the things that aren't urgent and that aren't important. Let me, let me just, let me, okay, so you've been given the freedom. Now let's exercise, okay? So on the count of three, I want you to say no, okay? One, two, three. Okay, that was weak. That was you saying no in a timid way like, I'm gonna say no, but I'm worried you'll be upset if I say no. You got the power of the creator of the universe at work in you that has a purpose for you, that's working in you and through you to do the purpose and the important things in your life. Say no like it's his power at work. Try it again. One, two, three. No. Boom. Use that power. Go through your calendar. What do you need to say no to? Sometimes the most important and holy thing you can say is no. I've learned that the hard way. Heather's taught me this. It is worth saying no because the two or three seconds of awkwardness I feel to tell someone no is far greater than the hours and days of painstaking, life-sucking, life-draining, energy-depleting stress that I go through because I said yes. And Heather gets to hear me complain every second of that time because that's what wives are for, right? She's my helpmate. 
honey, this is awful. Why did I do? And she, she will look at me. She'll go, you know why you're in this? Yeah, I know I'm in it. No, 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 say it. Why are you doing this? It's my inability to say no. Most of us end up in a crazy, hectic cycle of insanity of running from urgent to urgent because we can't say no. I'm inviting you to say yes to the most important thing. Creek, creek. Mary has chosen the good portion and it will not be taken from her. Let's choose the important thing to get at the feet of Jesus. Let's manage our schedule and not be managed by it. Let's manage our life so that we get the time away from the distractions with Jesus so he accomplishes in us and through us what his purpose is for us. That's the cure for the crazy. Not just at Christmas, for all of our life. Christmas for us is a reminder that he was given for us. Easter is a reminder that he was crucified and resurrected for us. Every day should be a life of celebrating that we have a Savior who is with us, for us, and has redeemed us and gives us everything we need to accomplish what he's called us to do. Let me pray for us. God, I just ask you right now to save us from ourselves. There's too many of us that have busyness and schedules and craziness and chaos, and I'm not asking you to save us from those. We don't need saving from our schedule, God. We need saving from ourselves because you've given us the power, the authority, the wisdom, the strength to manage this life that you've called us to. So I'm asking you to forgive us and save us from ourselves. Help us to do the work of checking our priorities and rechecking our priorities. And help us to do the real hard work of organizing our life in a way that we get time in the presence of God, that we get time with you so we can worship like Mary and work like Martha, so that our lives have a significant impact for the kingdom of God. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for coming as a child and living a life to model this for us. We thank you you gave your life for us on a cross to save us from sin and ourselves. God, we ask you to help us focus and not be distracted even by good things, but always do the best thing, the most excellent choice, all for your glory. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at